The following podcast is brought to you by the Village Zendo. For more information, visit villagezendo.org. Good afternoon or good morning, everyone. Everyone hear me okay? Zendo? Yes, perfect. Um, I'm so glad that we've chosen today to come together in this way and, and give ourselves a nice dose of silence, allowing things to, to be as they are, uh, letting go of our planning, regretting, uh, worrying uh, minds, setting those down for a bit and just settling into things as they actually are in this moment. Uh, it's easy to get pulled away from from the present moment, uh, I think it's it's far too easy, uh, of late for me at least. And in, when we are pulled away, we miss the the intricate details of this moment, the light traveling across the room and the sound of the birds outside the zendo. We miss it. Um, my name is Joan, and I use he/him pronouns, and uh, I'm really glad to be sitting with you all today. It's really nice to see everyone here. Let me fix my view. It defaults back to me looking at me. Let me look at me and you and you and me. There we are. Uh, so lately, as I was saying, it's it's been particularly easy to get pulled um, out of the present moment for me um, because of really all the distressing news that we've been facing of late. I suppose it's um, true that that could be any moment that we're facing distressing news, but um, you know, I find myself doom scrolling, if you will, even when my, my phone isn't in my hand, doom scrolling in my mind, thinking about you know, rising wastewater uh, rates of COVID and uh, monkeypox making a return and, uh, the reproductive rights and and uh, care for trans and non-binary people laws being implemented that are limiting those rights for people. Of course, most recently, this apocalyptic smoke that is blown out of Canada that finally today is a bit better here in New Paltz, where I, I sit with our sangha here, a small affiliate of VZ. Um, and, you know, recognizing that the smoke I made it, I created that, I'm not separate from it. That's me that made this happen. So a monk asked Daswi, when the fire at the end of an eon rages through the whole universe and the whole universe is destroyed, is this destroyed or not? And Daswi said, destroyed, without hesitation, destroyed. And the monk asked, then this goes along with it? And Daswi said, yes goes along with it. And then a monk, maybe another monk, maybe the same monk, has Longji, when the fire ending the aeon rages through the whole universe and the whole universe is destroyed. Is this destroyed or not? And Longji said, not destroyed. And the monk asked, why is it not destroyed? And Longji said, because it is the same as the universe. So I have to 
to tip my hat to Philip, who on the uh, IO list offered a poem uh, related to this uh, koan that was beautiful, and he offers many beautiful poems. So if you're not part of our list, get on it so you can partake. Um, and so many of our Sangha members' offerings that they, they put on the IO list. And so Philip mentioned this, and of course it, it uh, felt appropriate uh, to bring it up in a talk. So last Saturday, I returned from Boston. I was there for a, a four-day conference for the American College Health Association, the ACHA. Um, it's a couple thousand uh, doctors and nurses, NPs, DOs. Um, oh, my internet is unstable. Uh-oh, I hope it's, it holds out for me. Um, gather together in Boston or wherever the conference is being held and they discuss healthcare strategies, struggles they're facing in college health. Um, and there's always a theme. And this year, the theme of the conference was culture of care revolution, together we thrive. So while the conference was perhaps not revolutionary in itself, it did highlight the admirable efforts of the American College Health Association um, in looking at how um, we can thrive uh, in the medical community and how uh, to thrive really takes a concerted group effort. We have to come together um, to make to make our offerings really be uh, substantial and and of uh, merit to those we are making the offering to. So many of the the lectures and and uh, things that were offered by different doctors and nurses. Uh, and there were countless ones throughout the day, really focused on DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and so often we hear that as kind of a catchphrase in our work environments, you know, do the quick PowerPoint training online, you know, so that you can be uh, diverse and equitable and inclusive in your work. But this was really taking a deep dive looking at it. So so many of the rooms were were really, talking about inclusion, uh, representation, validation, uh, and ultimately safety because of those things. And in the hotel lobby, um, you know, outside of the lecture rooms, there'd often be cookies and, and coffee. Uh, maybe this is why I like these conferences so much. They probably spray me with the swag and the uh, continental breakfast. But that said, there would be those um, casual conversations that happened amongst the staff that I work with, as well as providers and, and nurses from uh, other colleges. And again and again, the refrain that I heard and I said, and we often said was, we're just not staffed for that. That again and again, that came up. So mental health was really uh, the crux of, of the conference. A lot of what we were looking at, we had to acknowledge, you know, three odd years of COVID and what that had done to the college campus. You know, these years um, that are supposed to be formative, exploratory, um, and, you know, socializing times for, for emerging adults to figure out who they are um, became times laced with anxiety and fear um, and lockdown and just the exact opposite of what one would expect in, you know, someone in their 17, 18, 19 year olds need to have happen. Um, I'm not saying that it wasn't difficult 
for all age ranges, but I think there's a specific loss that happened to uh, emerging adults at a time when they really needed that socialization. Um, so over and over again in the conference, uh, they referred again and again, all different providers and, and people coming from mental health, coming from physical health, from uh, recreational you know, health, all of that in the conference again and again, they brought up the gold standard of the PHQ-2. It's a um, quick, down and dirty mental health evaluation. Um, those of you in college health, I saw a couple of smiles probably know what it is. Hopefully, even in your own doctor's office, this has been given to you because it really is the gold standard of looking at where are you at? Where are you at in your mental health right now? Or exactly, you know, but they're, they're examining, um, are you depressed? Are you, are you anxious in this moment? If you score higher, a three or higher, it really merits follow-up, you know, uh, and hopefully follow-up in the moment that someone goes, ooh, you know, I see you scored a three on this. Let's talk briefly about your feeling state. What's happening for you? Let's keep you safe. So during the conference, uh, we'd often get to go out. Another reason I like the conference, you get to use the college credit card. So uh, we'd go out to dinner as a group, you know, of, of nurses and doctors and nurse practitioners. And we'd talk about the different things we saw during the day, um, offer ideas for improvement for the clinic, uh, going forward, things that we thought were maybe long-term goals and things that we thought were, you know, pretty, pretty fixable in the moment. So this seemed like really low-hanging fruit to me. I thought, wow, you know, we can implement this, no problem. You know, we just get a, a button on the computer, you know, when kids are uploading their immunization records, we've got that in the, in real time, we can address it. This seems pretty easy. And uh, all my coworkers were like, yeah, 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 we've got to do this. This is, you know, we can accomplish nothing if we don't address mental health. We, we really got nothing to, to do if we don't do this. And my boss uh, over some oysters <laughs> said, no, we can't do this. I brought it up with the administration. We know it's the gold standard. We want to do it, but we know there'll be too many threes. There'll be a lot of fours fives, higher scores. If we open up this can of worms, we're understaffed. We just don't have the team to put out this fire, to address this fire. And I, I thought about um, a container of cream cheese in my refrigerator, one that had been there for quite some time. You know, I, I didn't want to take the lid off of it because I was pretty sure it was moldy. My husband was probably doing the same thing. Um, and it didn't get addressed until I opened the refrigerator and it smelled. And I went, oh, got moldy cream cheese in the fridge. And then I threw it out, you know. So while this isn't a great analogy, how often do we wait in medicine and in other aspects of our life until it's moldy and it smells before we can look at it, you know, and put that fire out? Maybe we need to do fire prevention as opposed to extinguishing. So uh, some, some institutions that are well-funded and larger are embedding mental health providers right within the um, health services office. You know, maybe this is the revolutionary part of it. It doesn't seem so, uh, 
so, you know, crazy a thought, you know, and yet so many institutions um, have something, you know, that says wellness center, but it's, you know, just health, health services and counseling is somewhere else. You know, it's a separate thing. But if they were to reside under the same roof, um, wouldn't that serve the needs of our students? Uh, and if we were able to, to screen them for depression and anxiety and they scored on that, we could do further screening and we could move them over to a counselor who is waiting to see them and speak to them so that they felt safe and they felt taken care of. So that in the future, when they faced a new issue, um, maybe separate from that, they already felt safe in that environment and we could continue you know, with a continuity of care for them. In larger universities where there's med schools and social work schools, this model's already working. Um, dare I even say the, the words socialized? Um, but uh, it, it's a model that works. Everything's being met right there um, for your student fee and it's effective and cost effective. Um, you know, and I, I just think how often do we hesitate to remove the lid from the cream cheese, you know, uh, and what happens when we do that, when we don't look. So in conversation with another nurse practitioner over some coffee and cookies, um, they related that they felt this isn't just a college problem. This is a much bigger problem. And I had that aha moment where I said, yep, when I saw my doctor, I never received a PHQ-2. I never filled that out. There was never a question in his office about, how are you feeling? These past years have been very difficult. Are you coping well? Do you feel like you have the wherewithal to meet life day after day, meet the moment, moment after moment? Is that possible for you? That conversation never happened. And I like my doctor. I think he's a good doctor. So how many of us are not having that need met? And then perhaps it's even further complicated as I had the opportunity to talk with practitioners from Florida and from Texas and from states where comprehensive care, the way we know it, is not possible. When uh, the state is ruling against providing care for people who are trans or non-binary or providing reproductive health to folks who have uteruses, not allowing that to happen. So within the text of the Koan Daswi's Ionic Fire, it brings up a quote from a text that I, I'm not familiar with, so Roshi, you'll have to tell me later. Cessation and contemplation. I did some, some hunting, but I couldn't find out what this text is exactly. But at any rate, it's quoted within this koan. And it's the quote is this, Arhats are compared to charcoal, Prichaka Buddhas to ashes, these are self-realized beings, to ashes. Bodhisattvas are a little leftover ash, and Buddhas are compared to an ionic fire. They leave no trace behind, no charcoal or ash left in their actions. So maybe we can, you know, see that our inclination to see things as burned or not burned, consumed or not consumed, are just constructs. And when we recognize they're just constructs, I think that frees us up a little bit. And while the air today is clearer uh, than it was two days ago and seems to be getting clearer with each passing hour, um, I'm reminded of another Dogen quote 
And that is firewood becomes ash and does not return to its original form. We must understand that firewood and ash with their before and their after are ultimately free from these distinctions of before and after. So fully immersing ourselves in each moment and offering ourselves as fuel to each moment can feel daunting, especially when we, we are coming from a place or a feeling of scarcity or a place where we feel like we just don't have the fuel to offer the situation. And in those moments, can we become in fully, fully engulfed? Can we become engulfed in the needs of the perceived other, leaving no trace of ourself? Is that possible? And while I feel under-resourced um, in my small college institution that doesn't have a med school and a social work school with countless residents and um, therapists in training at the ready to meet the students I work with needs. Um, and while I feel under-resourced to take care of this planet that is in flames, um, I can still recognize the importance of organizing, protesting, writing, meeting you know, the needs in a direct way. Um, I can still be, be responsive even when I feel under-resourced. There's always something to be offered as fuel. However, I think some of the most significant impacts uh, are not those big, you know, uh, sign-holding, marching in the streets, although very, very, very important, but they're the small acts when we offer ourselves fully, um, like greeting a patient with, Hi, my name's Alan. I use he, him pronouns and making them feel seen, comfortable to be fully themselves. No, uh, no offering of gender affirming medication. We're not there yet. We want to be there. Um, but right now I can give you a, uh, a train ticket to Callan Lord, <laughs> get you to the city and get your care started there. We're hoping to soon be doing that. But it doesn't mean that I can't offer fuel just because I'm under-resourced. Hi, my name's Alan. I use he, him pronouns. If you'd like to tell me your pronouns, I can update your chart. So the present, is the name written here? Is that the name you choose to use? Or do you have a name you would prefer that we call you when you come into the clinic? Fully engulfed. Burned up. So when we realize the... Uh, absence of beginning and end, you know, just as the monk asked, does this go to, does this go to? When we realize that comes construct, I think then, then we can be of service. When we see the inherent unity of, of all things, we have no choice but to serve, to offer ourselves up completely as the fuel. We go along with it. We go along with it. So I think fire has has a couple of different uh, things it does. Obviously, it's destructive, but it also has got creative um, and nourishing forces. You know, um, some scrambled eggs 
take take a fire to be made, you know. Um, so can we see the creative potential and embrace that? Um, see the impermanence of all things and know that our actions are important. You know, it's not a kicking back and letting things be as they are. You know, it's it's uh, engaged. We have to meet it where it is and be fully consumed by the fire to be of service. And I'm going to leave you with a, uh, a poem by Basho that I found, uh, that short little haiku that I um, is resonant for me as as I often, if I'm perseverating and you know doing the proverbial doom, you know doom scrolling, uh, something has to take me back. Uh, on Thursday, uh, Ryotan Roshi in his talk talked about the skandhas and how they uh, the five skandhas, the five heaps. Sometimes they can feel like heaps, you know, these piles of things that pull us um, out of the moment, pull us away. But they're also, as he mentioned, where we reside, you know, where we live. And they are our very path to enlightenment, our very path to service. So I was uh, walking home the other day on Church Street here in New Paltz and the honeysuckle had come into bloom and suddenly I was hit as I was in my mind thinking about all the things that have to happen by this scent. And it brought me right back, you know, right back to where my feet were. And so I'll leave you with this poem by Basho. Temple bells die out. The fragrant blossoms remain a perfect evening. 